Alrighty, thank you again, if you haven't already, for listening to the CNC replay. I'm Chris. I'm Noel. I'm Corey. And I'm doing and... the weird hand thing right now. <laughs> Just seemed right. We got a we got a lot to talk about today. It's going to yeah. be a little more of a serious podcast episode. We're still going to cover uh, some of the major sports, but we're going to go into a deep topic later, which I am. I think we're all very excited for to cover and i think it's a little overdue so i think this is going to be a, a really good podcast and yeah we're gonna have a good time it's gonna be fun so it'll probably be a little, little bit longer than normal yeah but that'll be okay uh we'll also give a trigger warning before we jump into everything so if you want to skip feel free we totally understand but uh we think it's mm. an important thing to talk about yeah sounds good um, so, also, Chris, can we just talk about what happened to your finger today before yes. we go into everything else? Because that was one thing we didn't cover po- pre-pod, and yeah, um, sorry. I just saw your bandage stick out again. So can we just, what happened yeah. to you today? So I, well, I got home from work, and Marielle is watching, I think she's watching Disney Plus over in the other room, and so I was like, I'll cook you dinner, honey, come on over, We'll make. I'll make some um, breakfast, and I make these really good American fried potatoes which is also a single ingredient food. And um, so, I, <laughs> so it was me and those potatoes. And I decided, I was like, oh, I've been cutting these a long time now. I can get, I can go super saiyan and, and start chopping these aggressively. And um, yeah, like ratatouille. And um, I cut through my fingernail and then I got a good tip of the some off the top I think is what I said <laughs> I took some Just off the, the top of my thumb yeah <laughs> and uh yeah it was pretty nice it was gnarly and I had to tear some of it off and bandage it up but I'm doing great I'm I'm fine the potatoes did oh she more tuck- cooked me breakfast but did you not tuck your thumb you're supposed no. to you know how to hold yeah, things when I you're do, chopping yeah I had a cooking class and I was like 11 or 12 and i uh, have homeschooling sense, classes yes but <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do i didn't do that oh <laughs> so do that next time but i'm okay my thumb is fine it will heal life is good <sighs> well more yeah. power to you because i don't know how to cook a gosh darn thing i mean i could throw i can throw a steak and a smoker and, but like literally you just throw it in there and you close the door for 45 minutes and then you open it up and you have a steak but Turn. Other than that, cooking is not that hard, guys. Li- it's listen. really not. Baking it- hard. Cooking not. Stop it. It's hard. No, it's it's really not. You find Stop flavor profile. You literally like oh garlic salt, uh, thyme. Those things go well together. Put them on a potato. Put them on a steak. Go for um, it. Yes, Noah. What is thyme? Time, I'm just kidding. I know, I, I, Who I are I we? <laughs> it's a little weird for a second. I feel like I feel like every time I've had like gone to like a fancy restaurant and like have had a steak, there's always been time on top of it. Yes, mm-hmm. because it goes well together. Okay. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm just making an observation, Noel. Easy. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. You don't handpick you, your time, Corey. You idiot. <laughs> Time goes perfect with steak. How can you not know that? The lamb sauce. (laughs) That goes on lamb. The lamb sauce. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, my word. Goodness gracious. So who are we losing from the wings, guys? Are we, that's where we're starting? Wow. Jumping right in. Who are we losing? Okay. Okay. Yeah. For those who don't know. Yeah. Do we just talk from the beginning? 
Yeah, we'll sorry. Talk, we'll talk from the we'll talk from the beginning. Um, the NHL expansion draft for the Seattle Kraken is this week, and also it's oh. televised, which is really cool because it was not for Vegas. And like I saw something that ESPN posted, um, like they'll have like people announcing picks. Um, what are they just gonna like pan to the sad faces of other teams' GMs when their <laughs> players get taken? What's happening like, here? Or like all all of like Seattle's like great like stars like in other sports are gonna be so like Marshawn Lynch is gonna announce a pick. Okay. Russell Wilson. No way. Yeah. That's that's really cool. That's a lot of fun. I so, do enjoy that. They'll go up. Taken from the Detroit Red Wings will be blah 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 blah. blah. So um, is it on? Is it so? Is ESPN's contract? in now or is it still nbc i th- i think it's in now it's espn okay. yeah because i think the the last game of the cup finals was it was right, nbc i remember everybody celebrating that um what's his name uh pierre yeah McGuire. pierre pierre mcguire thank you i was like p something yeah that guy's gone wait p. espn took over nhl yeah yeah where have you been I, you don't have social hole, media. Apparently. That's right. No, I, I don't. <laughs> Under a rock as usual. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be so great when they have more content to talk about and it's not gonna be NBA twenty four seven all year long. Like I remember I remember when I was younger, it was summer vacation. I think I was in high school. Gather summer, around kids for Grandpa Corey's story. It was summer vacation and there's literally Every single baseball team that's playing, right? And it's the only sport that's live. And yet ESPN is talking half of their show about the NBA Summer League. I'm I'm like, we have regular season baseball games going. I want to see some highlights, and you're not showing those to me. Thankfully, MLB Network exists, and I'll just go watch that if I'm ever at home during the day for whatever. You guys have, like, the super mega sports package. Well, I don't think it takes... I don't think it takes that anymore. I think there's like packages where you can request, like, I want this channel, this channel, and this channel. So that I makes never had cable. I don't know how that works. No. Um, but my point now, because ESPN, ESPN didn't talk about hockey's because they didn't have a contract with them. So it's like, why are we giving free whatever to these people? So now they're going to talk about it. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be good too. But, I don't know the cast, the, the the cast, the broadcast team that they have is pretty stacked. Yeah. And they kept Barry Melrose too, because he's like their head analyst for hockey. So that's I love Barry Melrose. I think he's I think he's hilarious. But um, anywho, Seattle Kraken, not Krakens, Kraken. But we're done with that discussion right now. Um, yes, there's the Kraken will pick. Ugh, so weird. I'm sorry. Yeah, they will pick. That's weird. Kraken Just will leave weird. it, Chris. Sorry. Say it how you want to say it when you're talking. The Kraken will pick. 30 players from 30 teams minus Vegas. But I did learn that Vegas just doesn't get a free pass. They don't get that expansion, like uh fee that they, that the Kraken have to pay. That goes to like the teams. Like it doesn't just go in the NHL's pocket. It goes to, like the rest of the team. So like they'll get an extra, I don't know. I don't know how much it is, but like $40 million. Like 20 million. I think it was like 20, for, 30 million. Yeah. For each team. Yeah. That's it's well, something wild like Money. that. Yeah, I know. It's like a lot. That's one Wait, carry what price. That, please. What does that go towards? Yeah. Does that go? Does that filter into cap or how does that just? Are they just like file Overlap. it into something? Yeah. They file it into something. Maybe they probably buy out some people now. Stadium reservations or yeah, maybe even buyouts. 
I feel like that makes a lot of sense. Maybe I, because I was always scratching my head, why did Minnesota buy out both Parise and Suter? And I, it's probably because they're going to get ten million dollars from, or twenty million dollars from uh, Seattle. So mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but yeah, so they're picking. The Red Wings have gave out the per, the protected list. Um, Adam Ernie and Giovanni Smith were on it, and the three guys that we think are going to get taken that are not on it are Troy Stutcher, mm-hmm. Evgeny Shvechnikov, and uh, Dennis Shalowski. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So looking at that list, and I've I've done so much research on who's available, who's not, and there's because. Seattle can take somebody who isn't under contract but is under like a restricted contract basis. So I feel like we're going to get a, a good amount of those. And like, I don't know how this is happening. They're essentially already talking with Florida's Chris Dreiger, who's who has usurped Bobrovsky in the first round of the playoffs this year and was really good. I think he's like 27 or 26. I've heard things that he's already signed a, uh, a three year. Uh, $3.5 million per year contract with Seattle. But this expansion draft hasn't happened yet. But this is like Darren or Darren Drager, Elliot, all those guys are saying that. Um, so I don't know how they're doing it. But he was he was not under contract per se, and he's going to get taken, and he's going to sign this deal. And now Seattle has one of their three goalies that they're going to take. But um, – as far as not Red Wings news right now, I looked at all these unprotected. There's a championship team. Can yeah? Can I just read this list off oh real quick? Oh my gosh! There. For okay, oh my so this gosh. is this isn't all of them, obviously, but this is some uh, from Frank Saravelli. He says among interesting veteran players available for the Kraken, uh, Carey Price, for one. That's Jonathan crazy. Quick, for two. <clears throat> Vladimir Tarasenko. Oh my gosh! What? Okay. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, James Van Van Riemsdyk, Nino Niederreiter, Jason Zucker, Jared McCann, Alex Kerfoot, Mark Giordano, uh, Jacob or Jakob Vorchek. That blows my mind that Giordano's available. Uh, I know. Make any sense? This this whole list makes me just go. I'm sorry. Uh, Alex Kalorn, Andre Pallant, Yanni Gord, Tyler Johnson, and Brendan Dillon. They didn't. They did not Yuck. even mention Matt Duchesne. He's available. Yeah. Oh my! Wait, what? No way. Yeah. Yeah. Matt. Okay. So here's here's my here's my thought process here. Um, and Max Domi, my, right? Max Domi. My and three, Max Domi. My three locks, oh other gosh. than Dreiger. My three locks, other than Dreiger. Matt Duchesne is gone. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Matt Matt Duchesne is a very talented player. He just did not fit well with Nashville's scheme. I don't really know. He's gone. He's not going to be there. Um, Domi will also be gone because I don't, frankly, I don't know who you're going to take from Columbus because their roster is just as bad as ours. Um, so Domi is gone and Yanni Gord is going to be gone. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. Duchesne and Gord are two centers. That's your number one and number two center. And I would argue that's better than what Detroit currently has. Gord and Duchesne are better than Larkin and whoever else plays. Yep. And and you guys agree. you guys know I love Larkin. I love Larkin. And I think he gets a bad rep, but I would take Matt Duchesne and Yanni Gord over I mean, I wouldn't take I don't I don't know. I wouldn't take him straight up like whatever. I wouldn't take Duchesne for Larkin straight up right now or maybe not Gord for Larkin, but like 
the combination of the two, if you had to make me pick, I'm taking I'm taking that. Combo. Well, it's not like Larkin has anybody behind him right now. So <laughs> right. Oh, lock number three. Tarasenko's gone. Tarasenko has yeah, to be gone. That's lock number no four. Way. But yes, Tarasenko has to be gone. Giordano so, too. I would not this, leave him on the table. I'm so mad because I wanted Tarasenko to come here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did too. Listen, listen to this. Listen to this top <clears throat> six: Tarasenko, Duchesne, one of JVR from Philly or Voracek. They're going to take one of those two guys. I'm not sure. I think they'll take oh JVR. My gosh. So that's it. Tarasenko, Duchesne, JVR. That's a great. Wait, top Vince line. Dunn is available too. Jeez. They're I, not going to take him, but he's available. Yeah. And then line oh number two, God. Yanni Gord as your center. Um, Max Domi as your second line wing. And I don't even care who the heck you throw in there. I guess maybe you could take Nino Niederreiter, but uh, Carolina has Jake Bean available. He's a very young defenseman, so I think Seattle's going to take him. Um, mm-hmm. But if they don't, Nino Niederreiter is your second, set, your, your second wing. So I, I, that's a great top six. Yeah. Better than Detroit's, better than Buffalo's. Yeah. It's better than a lot. <laughs> better than a lot. And then also Giordano, like I know he's like thirty seven, but Giordano ages like a fine wine. And you want you want veteran leadership. Arguably that's the most productive veteran leadership that you're gonna get. Yeah. So I think he's gone too. So all of this will go back to my main point. Oh, I could ten out sorry. Tanev's too, uh, from, um, he was on the Flames, and now he's on, um... Pittsburgh? Yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. He went from Vancouver to the Flames. I think it's oh, Chris no. Tanev. I think, no, he's he's protected. That's why Giordano's not. Oh, my, my apologies. The other, the other Tanev, the other Tanev is not. But That's here's, my, here's my thought process on it. I do not think... Detroit's going to lose Stetcher solely because I think there are better young defensemen out there than Stetcher. Now, Stetcher's a great piece. He's definitely replaceable, but I think we like him so much because we've seen years of bad defense, and finally we get some good defense, and it's from his play. Um, but I, I just, I, I would pick a few other defenders over Stetcher personally mm-hmm. if I had the choice. Because Minnesota's got Carson Soucy, Soucy, or whatever however you pronounce his name, he's younger than Stetcher. Um, I mean, we even have Ch- Dennis Chalowski, who I'm kind of getting higher on. Um, but again, I think, and we've talked about this several times, the reason that Shvetchnikov was not playing as much as he was here is because Eisenman didn't want to have any film on him because he knew he was going to keep him exposed. He knew there's a potential he's going to lose him, but I think he might actually lose him. Mm-hmm. And I'm not like, oh, like he's a cornerstone piece. Like he could be. I don't know. He's more of a lottery ticket right now. I think when he's played and he's gotten consistent minutes that he's played well. Um, but solely, I mean, there's really not else on Detroit's roster that I could see the Kraken interested in taking unless we force them to. I mean, I'd love to well, see Nielsen. Well, we also Nielsen thought gone. that last last time. And then Thomas Nosek got taken and took off. So. Right. But he was younger, though. Yeah. And, and and there's like roles that like these I mean that the Kraken have to fill. Just because we think this is the best player available, they might not take him because oh they have a nine million dollar cap hit from Duchesne. They have a three million dollar which by the way, Yanni Gord's contract Yanni Gord's contract is probably the best out of any contract that you can take for production per player. He's only three point six cap hit for the next two years. So he's wow, gone. Wow, that's good. Um 
But, oh, we've got 9 million here. We've got Tarasenko's whatever here. So we got to take – we have to take a Shvechnikov because we like his talent. But, but um, you know, he's not going to cost us a whole lot. So mm-hmm. be very interested to see what happens. But those are my thoughts. I know I've been talking a lot, so please um, have the mic. Yeah, I think my vote's either Svech or Stetcher. I think that's kind of – you get a veteran D-man – who's actually pretty solid. Um, he's been our best defenseman. I don't think Hronik was up to snuff last season. Uh, so I think that he was our best one last year. And then you got Svechnikov, who to other teams is kind of a wild card, but also we you like he is a young player he can develop he hasn't been getting minutes here so like that's also something that could be a pull is like oh he hasn't had a chance to show anything and if he starts on the bottom line so be it like i don't know i think that that's i think those are probably our top two i'm leaning a little bit more towards stetcher i think but that might just be because i would be sad if if svetch was taken (laughs) yeah i if i was in their shoes i would choose svechnikov but uh, I'm to be honest with you, my comment would be I'm shocked that they kept Heronik and Smith over Chalowski and Svechnikov. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm not. I mean that. I really Her- do. wait, 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 wait. You're shocked that they kept. I love the. I love the. Well, Heronik, I don't think he's gonna get any better than he is right now, and I think Chalowski has nothing but upside. That's what I'm trying to say. That's, that's a, a hot take, my that dude. Is that is a hot. Take. I know that's. A, that I've said a lot of hot takes. Take. I I truthfully mean that though. I really do. I think yeah. Chalowski has so much more upside. I, I think the guy that we Lindstrom was protected. Yeah, I was confused more to Lindstrom as opposed to Chalowski. I thought they would cover Chalowski uh, before they covered Lindstrom. No, I didn't think that. I thought they were just going to cover Stetcher. Okay, well, clearly we all have different I opinions. Yeah. I think we're going to lose Stetcher. Yeah, I do. We, uh, well he, only, he only had like two years on him, anyways. I thought he was going to be gone no matter what. I didn't see him as like a as a like a long term. But I have no idea. I don't know anything at this point. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to say that you're surprised they kept Heronic over. Yeah, I'm mean, surprised at all that I, I he's really been our do. most solid. Other than last season, he's been our most solid defenseman, and even last season, like he wasn't god awful i know but we have like awful defense and what's coming up is like i'd rather have Chris, the opposite you are also so wishy-washy when it comes to nhl players you do not give two yeah breaks. no you're either good or you're not so you yeah very hot and cold yeah nothing personal just business <laughs> just want a cup with the wings name on it but who oh no right. well there's that. What about the... What's going on with the Tigers? Well, hold on. We have Nick Letty oh, to sorry. talk about. Oh, yeah. yeah. We do have Nick Letty to talk that about. Because that yeah, was the thing that sure happened. Did. It happened on Friday, and clearly we, you two forgot about it. Yeah. I mean, I just assumed... And we protected him. I mean, I was more caught And up retained with... panic, panic... Panic? Panic? Whatever. Panic. Retained his sal- part of his salary. So, like... Yeah. Why? We still have the lowest payroll in the league. I don't care. Why would we retain salary? Because... Anyways, so the, for a the, year. the full trade, for those of you who care, um, was we got Nick Letty from the Islanders for a 2021 second and uh, forward Richard Ponick. Detroit re- retained half of Ponick's 275, 2.75 million salary. 275 million is too many. 
2.7 million dollar salary. Um, he's got two years left on his deal. So that happened. That was a thing. He is a a veteran defenseman. Um, probably going to be on a possibly on a line with Cider next season. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw some stuff tweeted by the Wings about him talking about being excited to mentor younger players and also learn from them, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Um, so he's good, uh, at like, nope, there was a sentence and it, it, (laughs) my train of thought derailed. Sorry. He's not a very offensive defenseman. That's what I was trying to say. Thank you. (laughs) He's pretty much your traditional defensive defenseman. Stay Not very good at, uh, running the, running the puck up, but you know, we need, we need a stopgap at the blue line, so. Well, I think that's the perfect mm-hmm. pairing for um, Cider. Oh, yeah, very, absolutely. He's a very raw and talented player. I mean, everybody's ready to, you know, I'm so erect ready. a statue for him. I mean, for very good reason, but, um, I mean, that could that's about the perfect situation that you can have for a young defenseman. And obviously, Eiserman knows that, so that's why he made the move. Um, I was kind of looking at it as like a, a Mark Stahl type deal, but Letty's better. Um, he had a he, he was in the minus for plus minus uh, for the Islanders this past year. But I looked at that Islanders roster like they're not like there was no like superstar, but from top to bottom that team is stacked, like mm-hmm. like packed with very good like you know the Hall of Fame. They're like the Hall of Very Good. And it, but like, there's no. I don't think there's a bad player on that roster. Really, they all mm-hmm. fit the role well, and they all do very well. And Letty was a part of that. Um, and then they just seem to have the next guy up mentality. But no, I'm excited. I think I think that was. Some people didn't really understand the retaining salary part. Um, I I'm trying to understand. Like it's like oh we can use him, and then essentially, essentially we traded the value for what he would bring is for coaching cider and like kind of showing him how to like be an nhl defenseman for that half of the year for panic his salary in a second but everyone's saying that we could probably flip letty for a second if we're terrible at the deadline so essentially we just traded him for a log jam forward and retaining a salary it's 3d chess up in here i mean i don't necessarily agree with that thought process I don't know. Um, you and mean Letty's, the getting a getting somebody to trade them four months later? Yeah, and Letty's yeah. fairly young, I believe, isn't he? Like thirty? Yeah, he's thirty. So I mean, that could Which be a guy. That, hysterically, is not that young in the NHL. Uh, Corey, you and I are coming up on the point when they start calling players old. So shut up, <laughs> Chris. You're still young. Shut up. <laughs> So, so I'm, but like you can sign that guy for a couple of years. Like Giordano's thirty-seven right now, and he he was like a an elite defenseman. Oh, Giordano, that's that's lock number five. He's gone too. Um, he he was like a an elite defenseman in the NHL at age thirty-one. I'm not saying Letty is Giordano. That's not what I'm saying at all. But defensemen seem to have that longevity piece to them. Yeah. Um. So like. It's not going to be like, oh, he's 33 as a forward. Like, he's not going to last much longer. No, I think he could. So, yeah. But, yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's all I got to say about that. 
Um, who's going to get a Kraken jersey first, me or Chris? Delaney. Oh, yeah, yeah Delaney. Delaney. Oh, we also haven't talked about Nielsen and DeKaiser waiving their no-movement clauses. Who called it? You did. I called yeah, the nice one job. take I ever got right on this podcast. <clears throat> Good Lord. So far. Steve, Steve probably just said that. It's like, look, no one's going to take you. I'm not going to try to trade you because no one's going to want you. Probably not that because he's probably nicer. <laughs> he's that. probably a little more tactful than that, yes. But he's like, Although, hey, well, wave those so we can be better as a team. And they're yeah. probably like, I... He did text Mantha, call me ASAP. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is true. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Well, it's not like you want to text him that over text. Be like, hey, I need to talk to you about moving to D.C. You just got traded to Washington. You're going to be like, hey, call me ASAP. And I'm sure that's how he just is. Like, over text in general. (laughs) Like, I'm sure he's not, like, writing paragraphs and sending emojis. I'm sure it's just like old man like my dad never calls me uh or never texts me except to say to call him that's the only reason my father will text will text me call me now so it's just an older gentleman thing i'm sure Mm-hmm. but still if steve eiserman says call me asap i'm calling him yesterday yeah true what do you want mr eiserman <laughs> oh oh you're you're abandoning me oh okay better than worse feel, than abandoning me i don't feel me? so you're... good mr eiserman <laughs> Dude, that was a good meme. I was proud of that, that was meme. A good meme. I was a good meme. <laughs> Trust the eyes are playing. Trust. Hear me out. We give Letty to Seattle, and he was here like he—it's like he was never here. Boom. We can't. We protected him. I know it's a yeah. joke. I know. I know. But no. Oh, well. oh well. Yeah. I think. Well, Smith and Heronic and and Letty are yeah, part of the plan. Yeah, I was going to say I think that protection of Smith like just proves the 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 faith that Iserman has in his game. Like yeah. yep. He's going to be he's our future fourth liner, third liner, like he grit. Yep. The gritty the grittiness without the orange suit. Hmm. Um he's I I've seen him play in the preseason and at the prospect tournament. He's he's fairly skilled. Like, I mean, not, he yeah. played on the line with Larkin for, like, a full three games or something last yeah. season. Yeah, he did. And kept up and did well. Do you remember that drop pass that yes, Larkin and him I do. had? I that do. was probably one of the most exciting Hot. games of that season. And, that, and like, I, I don't say that, like, for any other reason than people say, like, oh, Giovanni Smith, he's just he just is a, a fourth-line grinder. I don't think he is. Like, I think he's got some, some talent there. And, like, if you actually watch him play, you can see that. Like, obviously, every NHL player, whether or not you're skilled or not, is going to have some handles compared to you. But mm-hmm. I remember seeing plays, I'm like, that's not somebody an a- something an applicator would do or be able mm-hmm. to pull off. Like I think he's got more of a hockey sense than your typical grinder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like he. I feel like he can see plays clearer than what our t- what our thought process or not thought process. What our imagination is for a grinder like Glennie. Love him. Typical grinder. Like that's he's he's mm-hmm. don't even you know I love that man. <laughs> No Luke Glendening slander. There is no Luke Glendening slander in this house. He had a career high in points this past year. I know. What was it? Look at the team he was on, though. I, I can't tell you. All I know is that he had a like ton of goals. 10. I think he oh. had 10 goals this year. Or more than there 10. There you go. Good for him. But I'm just saying. 
He's uh, he's your go. typical grinder, and he does it so well. Like he, there's a reason the Leafs want him so bad. They better sign mm-hmm. him. The Red Wings better sign him. I'm gonna be so sad. Well, there's probably yeah, a reason that they haven't. Day. You know, they. I mean, it's the they same thing with they Ovi. They haven't signed him. They haven't. Yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. Because Ovi hasn't been signed. He's a free agent currently, but he's not going anywhere but Washington. Sure. No, he's coming to Detroit, man. We're getting Tarasenko. That too. would be that would be a storyline. Russian machine don't break. Chris, do not even put your tinfoil hat on right now. You know that's not happening. It's not gonna. Happen. I have a blank Red happening. Wings jersey, just waiting for Steve to pull pull the trigger on someone. <laughs> I heard I'm ready. I'm ready. There is a rumor that they're changing the the makeup of the Adidas jersey. It's gonna be like remember like the All Star Game jerseys from San Jose. They were like made of like recycled material. Yeah. Yeah. Gonna, the um the part. Par- yeah. They're gonna do something like that, I think. I saw something leaked where like a Maple Leafs like it had like a different tag and stuff. I don't know. That's cool. Different time for a different show. We've got to keep moving here. Yeah, we do. Um Tigers. Tigers. Wow. Um what a what a turn of events from the pre All Star break to post All Star break. You play the get twins the broom, seven baby. games in a row. You get swept in four, and then, honestly, they probably could have swept four back, but Mother Nature decided to be a dumb idiot and <laughs> wanted to rain out the games. But um, we need to talk about Willie Peralta. Mm-hmm. Like, they showed some stat. Like, he, like I think five, five starts in a row where he's given up just one earned run. And like for a rookie pit, he's like in a, like an elite list for rookie pitchers on the Tigers. Casey Mize didn't do that. Scooball didn't do that. Michael Fulmer did, and like two other guys I never heard of. But uh, mm-hmm. I've said it once. I've said it again. Chris Fetter is a miracle worker because who the heck even knew who Willie Peralta was before he got called up this year? I for sure didn't, and I'm really bummed because I haven't been able to watch him closely because I've been busy um, with life and dumb things. Because baseball is more important, um, but um, yeah, I'm 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 excited to see his next start. And uh, according to like the the recap people I watch, the Chris Castellanis and and like just like the Tiger beat people, um, he got hit pretty hard in this last game that he started, um, but recovered incredibly incredibly well. Like defense behind him and. We DFA Mazzara, which is a hot take that uh, I desperately failed on. <laughs> but I'm okay with that. Get him out of there because he sucked. Um, they sent down Willie Castro, who's he's still young. I'm not ready to give him a Willie Castro yet. But his defense was terrible, and he was not hitting the ball, so they had to send him down. Um, and then somebody else got cut. I'm not sure. No, I think somebody got put on the, the IL. But they sent those two guys down, and then their defense was night and day compared to what it was in Minnesota as to Detroit. I mean, they were turning ridiculous double plays for Peralta, kind of the hard hit outs thing. And so it's all of the small ball stuff that's coming together. Derek Hill, I mean, Derek Hill right now probably isn't a great baseball player, but he's a great defender. And when he gets on base, he's fast as anybody on the team. And A.J. Hinch is now producing a, a philosophy and a strategy for this team. Everybody knows we're not going to hit home runs. We will sometimes because Jonathan Scope is an absolute man. And Badu hit a home run today, too, which put him in the rookie of the year conversation. F everybody yes, who thinks absolutely. somebody else should. I mean, he's, he's, he's 
man, cool. I'm so glad I got his jersey. It looks like that one's not gonna not gonna go away anytime. That one's soon. not gonna fail you. No, that one's not gonna fail. And Jimenez has been awful, but he just pitched in the fifth and uh did pretty well. So and he, he got the win in when the Tigers walked off uh I think it was on that Saturday. Cabrera hit that blue walk off hit. Um and he pitched well then too. Um but with the atmosphere in the park this past weekend, there's a bunch of fans saying this game felt like back in 2012-2013. I heard the stands were like packed. 33,000 I think. Something wow. Like that. No, but that's no, no, that's that's quite a bit. Especially No, no, no I know it is, but I I said packed. So like yeah. it's it's not yeah. packed, but it's a lot. No, no, no. I mean for where the team is at, that's packed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. So the the city of Detroit is ready for the Tigers to be good again, and I really hope that management sees that because you have a manager who signed here for three years. This is his first year, and you're already seeing dividends. Fetter has been a revelation for this young pitching staff, and even some of the old guys too. Because I don't want to forget about Boyd before he got hurt because he's he had a pretty he's been having a pretty solid year and then michael fulmer as well i think that was mostly health related but he was our most effective reliever out of the pen um i i'm just i i said it to my buddy i'm dreading the day that we just cannot take that next step forward because avila does not want avila and chris illich don't want to spend money on this team and if that's the case yeah. shame on them because aj hinch the second that three-year contract runs out, he's going to be gone. He's not going to wait around. We, I, I now with this progress, if the Tigers sign a free agent or two next year, I'm expecting them to compete. Yeah, like not for a World Series, but like at least like that second wild card spot. Because you have a young pitching staff that's ready to take that next step. Manning could be ready next year. You've already seen him start in a couple. Rough. Will he be? electric no but you need him to at least be a major league pitcher before he can become electric he'll be ready to take that next step and i I want us to think about this too i was talking to my buddy as well look at the starting rotation mize scooball they are the way they're at they're going to take progression hopefully two great young pitchers um matthew boyd i'm not asking matthew boyd to give me a sub 250 ERA. I'm asking Matthew Boyd to give me an ERA of around four, like in the mm-hmm. 410 or to the 39 range. And Matthew Boyd probably would be your fourth starter on this team. Yeah. You know, and I, I could say, let's sign Justin Verlander. I still kind of believe that he's going to come back, but Justin Verlander comes back. I'm, you sign an arm, a very, like, a very good, solid pitcher. Verlander probably would be your best bet because he's coming off of a major surgery and no one's going to give him a ton of money. Um, but you get mm-hmm. Verlander back. You have my Scooball, Boyd, and then whoever the heck you throw in that fifth looks like Willie Peralta could be a viable option or just sign some other whatever. From top to bottom, who has a better rotation than that in the division when healthy? Because Boyd as a fourth starter, I would throw up with anybody's fourth starter. Yeah. I might even say baseball. And I'm not saying Boyd is the spectacular pitcher, but I'm talking about pitching depth. And if you have Boyd as your fourth starter, I think you can make some noise, especially in the playoff realm. So I think this team is close, especially with how Hinch is managing this team. Now, you need some help. You need to put in some free agency. You might need to sign one of those big-name shortstops. 
or at least another bat because you're doing well with what you have right now. And the Tigers hitting statistics still are not very good, but they're figuring out ways to manufacture runs. So get me a bat, get me a bullpen pitcher, give me a starting pitcher, and you can make this city believe again. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm feeling very hopeful, but I do too. Good. But I don't know beating, how to feel. I don't know enough about this. They're beating teams that they should beat right now. And that's half the battle. If you beat teams that you can beat, then you can steal games from teams that maybe you shouldn't. And then, wow, you found yourself in a wild card game. I would lose my mind in a wild card game. I want that so bad. Solely because A, I want to attend. And B, it's just like the utmost pressure. You have one shot. But yet you can still get all the postseason gear. And I'd buy a bunch of that too. So, <laughs> Yes. So any any other thoughts? I know I talk. I've been talking a lot. I, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm excited. I'm I'm my first love is finally showing signs of life, and I don't have to sit <laughs> here and yell about Al Avila anymore. I will because I hate that guy. But okay, we don't need to. We don't we don't need that. But man, we're good. I said I said from the beginning, Hinch was a slam dunk hire. He's the best guy that you need it, and you're seeing it on the field right now. If they win tonight, they're eight games under 500. I think they might even be seven. Coming from that awful August, or April that they had, what they? I think they had six wins in one month. It was not good. I'm gonna go look. Hold on. Six yeah, wins, it's not good, in one month. Awful for the month of April. We had one, two, three, four, five, six. Maybe it was the next month, month of May. Seven. Eight wins in the month of April. One, two, three, four, five, six. Seven. There was more in May. You were talking about April. It was eight wins. It was April? Okay. Yeah. Out of, you know, a full schedule. And two doubleheaders. So, not good. They've come. They've come. A, they've come a ways. Not a long ways, but a ways. I, I, I'm just saying. I'm. I'm really excited. I. I'm. I'm hopeful, and um, it seems like the city is ready to explode. The the number one overall pick for the Pistons was the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. Red Wings have probably the best GM that they could have. The Tigers have the best coach that they could have. And the Lions, well, the Lions will always be the Lions, but still. But they have, like, unknown hope. I feel like there's hope in the unknown for the Lions. Does that Correct. make sense? I don't know yeah. if that made sense. But, like, because no, we don't did. know what's happening, but it's so different than what we're used to, I feel like there's excitement somehow for that. There is. I can't wait. This is riveting podcasting, guys. Both of you looking at your phones. No, I, I have somebody somebody from work is texting me, so like I need to respond to Be them. Be on top of that. Um, I get it. I get it. I get it. I am, there's not much else to talk about with the Tigers though, right? Kind of uh, it. No, I think really. they're winning they're winning tonight. Akil Badu has driven in three runs today. God um, bless that. Love kid. that man. Holy cow. That's that stand up triple that last game too. Dear Lord. There's no news for the Lions, as we as per have kind of has been the trend. There is kind of news, but we're going to save that. Um, yeah. It's more like speculation stuff. Yeah. 
So maybe we'll have more solid speculation come next Monday. Uh, there you and go. And then, Corey, you wanted to talk about our boy Jeremy Grant in the Pistons. And- yeah, Jeremy Grant, Team USA. So That whole um, thing? Yeah, so Jer- Team USA had a bit of a COVID scare. Um, they had a game, like an exhibition game canceled, which we're not going to get into that, but still. Um, Bradley Beal ended up being removed from Team USA due to COVID. He actually did test positive. And Jeremy Grant was in quarantine. Um, so uh, just to make sure. Um, which means more minutes. Which means more minutes. Sorry. I've, I've, mm. I've had a ton of okay. texts. That's what I'm um, here for. So I'm excited for him. He'll probably play a lot more and he can build off of, I, again, it's against Nigeria. There's going to be more competitive teams. But I saw their, I saw their group, France. There's another country I couldn't even remember, and the Czech Republic is is the United States group. Now, I'm Czech, and Czechs are known for hockey and, I guess, soccer, because they played well in the Euros. But uh, mm-hmm. I can't imagine who's on that basketball team, and God have mercy on their souls when they play the United States, because it's going to be bad. <laughs> it's going to be bad. Yeah. Well, uh, we hope so. We already saw what happened with Nigeria, so. Yikes. Um. We hope they can rein it in. Rein it in. But, yeah, no, I'm going to be excited. Maybe even the Team USA jersey will grow on me, and I'll get a Jeremy Grant Team USA jersey. Hmm. I don't probably. think it's terrible. I don't know what your problem is with it. I, I just make – I think every jersey has to grow on me because now I even like the Red Wings reverse retros because I got one. What is wrong with you? I did get one. No. Because I, I had to. Corey. I'm going to throw Zadina on it. He scored, like, three goals in that jersey, so whatever. I have to. I have every other jersey they've ever worn the ice. Okay. So I have to get it. It's fine. And I did. So shut up. I um, But, yeah. So I'm excited for him to see him play. Go Pistons. Um, but other than that, mm-hmm. that's all the news that we have for that. Noel, would you like to take us away into our most important segment we've probably ever done and maybe ever will do on this podcast? Sure. I can do that. Uh, folks, this is your official trigger warning. Uh, we are going to start talking about the sexual assault cases that have kind of risen up in the past year-ish, um, two years, uh, within pro sports. Uh, so if you don't want to listen to that, you are done with your episode. If you're sticking around, uh, welcome. We're going to cover, uh, the Michigan sexual assault scandal, the Chicago Blackhawks sexual sexual assault scandal. That's a tongue twister, unfortunately. Um, and might dip in a little bit to Larry Nasser, Michigan State, Team USA gymnastics nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the reason we all wanted to talk about this is because it's something that's near and, and dear, and that feels like a weird way to say that, but something that's very important to all three of us, I think. Um, we've all been affected by it in, uh, affected by sexual assault and sexual harassment in various ways. Um, and it, we just think it's an important topic and something that is, is rampant in pro sports and something that needs to be changed from grassroots up to pro sports and something that hasn't had a lot of change in those areas, um, and is really just getting more coverage um, and somehow less coverage. And I don't know how that works, but I feel like there's a lot of, um, 
there's a lot of opinions because it is a hard topic and because it's uh, because it affects everybody differently. But yeah, I don't know where we want to start with this. If we kind of want to go over the cases, or if Chris, you want to go first, like, what are we thinking? Do we have um, opinions? I'd rather go a little bit deeper into it. So for mm-hmm. me, I'm going to be covering more of the psychological standpoint as to what's happening and how we're actually getting to this point because it is absolutely rampant in sports and coincides a lot with money and salary and fame and other things of that nature. So we're all going to have a big piece in this. Uh, it's going to, we're going to kind of build this segment together. We're going to be here for a hot second. And so definitely my, I think my portion of it is going to be more of just kind of digressing as to why do I think it's happening in the first place? And kind of go into how it should be handled as well. Sure. I mean, I, I could go, um, I, I have the, and I've been looking deeply at the, uh, the U of M stuff with, uh, Robert Anderson, um, which I, I, frankly, before I did the research, I didn't really know a whole lot what was going on. And it really had shades of the Penn state and Joe Paterno and Jerry Sandusky kind of vibes to it. Um, but still it was, it was very different in a couple different ways. Um, and I think, um, the importance of time, um, is what's crucial here to this U of M case because a, it, it, it takes, it takes a lot of guts to come forward and talk about stuff like this, especially if it's happened to you at a personal level. Um, and, um, you want to have, you want to have a whole lot of time for healing, you know, to articulate what's going on what you're trying to say. Um, but on the flip side too, like uh, there almost has to be a sense of urgency for justice to take place. Because if there's a, if there's an allotted time that, that transpires, then a lot of details, very important details can be lost in the shuffle. And this isn't a stance of like, Oh, people need to come, forward as soon as it happens. No, what, what I'm saying is, is that we want justice for all of these people. And the sooner that we can get to justice, the sooner we can, the sooner, the better sort of a thing. And, um, this is unfortunately an example of how something might not result, um, out of a very horrific case. Um, so I looked at a good collection of articles, um, for the, the U of M case, and it, it kind of built up steam more um, when. So, the general consensus is Dr. Robert Anderson was a, a team doctor at U of M. I think he, he was associated with the football team and then various other non sports related things. Um, there was an article that came out in uh, April of 2020 kind of describing. I, I, I want to get the number right. Um, uh, there was 257 complaints against Dr. Robert Anderson as, as far as like sexual assault. Um, and this isn't just for football players or athletes. This is other people who went to this guy uh, for treatment um, that was somehow associated with the university. Um and this article specifically talks about the the women that were affected, um, and just I don't want to get into those details because it's like, you know, you're being exam- it's disgusting, and you know, you're, 
your imagination can kind of go through it, but they're thinking that they're going to be there for some sort of medical examination and then other things transpire. Um, so 257 people have come forward and said something happened to me. Um, and I didn't know how to talk about this with, with people, but first and foremost, absolutely. If there's more people continue to come forward and that's why I believe, um, U of M or, um, this Wilmer Hale law firm was this, uh, was this place that started and was taking complaints against this. Um, but the thing that really got this going was, uh, Bo Schembechler's former son or not former son, excuse me. Wow. Um, his adopted son, um, who was his youngest, um, and Bo Schembechler had a couple of biological kids and he's the football coach for U of M. And so the story goes that players would go to Bo and say, Hey, Robert Anderson is doing some creepy stuff with me and we need to, you know, put an end to this. Um, and there's a couple of different people saying that, you know, he went forward to the athletic director of the time, Dan Kamen, um, and said something. And the report from Bo's son was saying that, you know, he was assaulted and Bo beat him and, uh, and essentially, fought for Anderson to keep his job, um, which again, with anything like that, you have to look at it, um, like uh, as unbiased as possible, because that's a very, very stark accusation. And also with truth there, because we've seen, there's been a ton of people that have been affected by this. Um, and you want to, you want to, you know, fully believe what's going on. Um, because there's got to be some, there's got to be some sort of trauma, and I do think that, unfortunately, Bo's son experienced this, um, this abuse. But there's just a lot of conflicting ideas that come that have come from this case. So there's specifically two players that I've seen and Bo's son. I want to pull up their names um, because they did go public. So again, that shows like, like, hey, this stuff happened. Like. Um, we're not pushing that aside. What's the, I had it here on the article. Um, um, okay. So Dan, uh, Kiewitowski and G Jill Vani Johnson joined Matt Schembechler on Thursday at a news conference in Michigan to share their stories. Kiewitowski played offensive tackle for the Wolverines in the late seventies and Johnson played for wide receiver in the, in the early 1980s. Um, so they shared their stories. Uh, they said, like, if Bo um, had stopped Anderson earlier, then this wouldn't have happened to me. Um, and heartbreaking stuff. And, you know, outrage happened. Like, we need to tear down the statue. We need to do, you know, we need to wipe Bo Schembechler's name off of, the, off of anything, the athletic department or even Dan Canham's name, because these, these guys were, knew something was going on and um, nothing came of it. That was their story as, as well. I, I found probably the most heartbreaking story of all time. Um, and this was also an article of a former player who said Robert Anderson had, you know, molested me. Um, the guy's name is Chuck Christian. Um, that article came around, out around the same time that the first article with like the females that had been molested by this guy, um, and 
this guy was, I think he was a tight end uh, for U of M, but like they're showing his picture. He's still wearing his like U of M hat and talking about how um, he went for a prostate exam uh, to Anderson during football season. And I don't know why you'd need a prostate exam for football season, but regardless. Um, but this, his story in this paper is talking about how he, after this experience, he never wanted to get a prostate exam ever again because after this had happened subconsciously he was like i don't really want to do that um and because of that um he didn't get his checkups and now he has colon cancer he's in late stages of that and essentially because he didn't go in soon enough and because anderson had violated him you know he was too scared to go in and 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 friend, he, the words he used were painful. He he knew it was going to be painful because of the experience that he had. And it said it one day for him it clicked. So he talked about you know his experience, how he'd never want to go you know check out the medical stuff um, because this thing had happened to him. But he said something really interesting too because he was in, he was like a artist of some sort, um, and he talked about how his experience with U of M football was great other than with Anderson. And he talked fondly of Schembechler. Um, and he said that Schembechler would often use his art for programs and then also to hang up in the locker room. And he said his, his experience with the team was phenomenal except with Anderson. And that's heartbreaking because this guy had probably the best years of his life playing college football and also spoke fondly of Schembechler, but this horrible acts of, of this doctor, which he didn't even really know how to articulate it, um, came about. Um, but th that's, that's, this is where the stark of like the image of Bo gets kind of blurred because on one end we said we have from his son saying, um, he did like he punched me after I told him and he defended me. And then this guy saying he didn't know anything because most players didn't talk to him about it. And genuinely, if he did know, he was going to be he was going to be adamant about it. Harbaugh said something about it. The bow I know wouldn't blah, blah, blah. He shouldn't have said it because this was a terrible timing to say anything about the situation. But he's like, the bow I know wouldn't sit on anything, blah, 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 blah. And just Harbaugh's under a lot of scrutiny anyway because he's Harbaugh. But still was not very good to say any of those things with this going on. Um, but that's one personal story. And then something came out where former Michigan players had signed something Um ESPN did an article in June of 2021 saying more than a hundred former football players uh, or members of Bo Schembechler's football team signed a letter this week seeking to defend the former coach's reputation in the wake of several claims that he ignored allegations that a man who was a team doctor at the time was uh, sexually assaulting his patients. Um, that's where it goes off the rails because then you have players that are defending Bo's honor. You have members of Bo's own family outside of Matt saying like, this is, wasn't the dad, like this isn't my dad. This wasn't the person that I knew. And unfortunately, when people look into these things, Matt Schembechler had sued Bo for a memorabilia dispute back in the nineties or something. And this is, this is all on ESPN Detroit free press articles. Um, and they, it was known that these two didn't have a great relationship. And then, um, they had a comment on Bo's wife. Bo's wife died in 1992. Bo Schembechler died in 2006. Robert Anderson died in 2003. And Don Kamen died 
sometime in the early 2000s. And this is the point I'm trying to make. We have so much information, and I'm not saying fact. This is not what I'm saying. We have, we know something happened and we want to find a solution for it, but now we have so much information and so much combating information against one another of who did what wrong, who did this wrong, who didn't do enough, and then who's really at fault here. And unfortunately, this is this is probably a situation that isn't going to be resolved well because we have too much information. And again, not fact, just information that's conflicting. And it really sucks because Anderson is an awful human being. That's clear. But how they're going about trying to get this information it, it is unfortunate too because it, it, and it pains me to say like if this was resolved or, or talked about earlier, we might have a more clear path of what we're going to do. But now the people who are making these decisions don't know what to do because you have football players signing, siding with Bo, Bo's own son who's going out against him and um, people who are, who have been assaulted and also saying like Bo would have done something. And there was a former broadcasting student that was assaulted and he went to Bo and he said he went to the student said he went to the director's office, the athletic director's office and said, Hey, the student said this happened to him. We need to figure this out. And then we don't know where that goes because that guy's dead now. So I, I, my heart breaks, and every time I see more from this story, I'm just like, man, this sucks. Yeah. Because, because now we have, we have a mess, and I, I don't think you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna clean up this mess because solely so much time has passed, and it sucks. And I know personally... Um, Something happened to me when I was younger, and I know it's hard to come forward. It took me two years to come to terms and tell somebody. Um, but I, I'm so thankful I did because this was an issue that was resolved um, without hardly any uh, discrepancy, for lack of a better term. Um, but I just... It, it, these events happened in the 70s and the 80s and maybe even the 90s and um, uh, it doesn't change the fact that they happened but we want justice and mm. it, the timing is so important and we and I, I guess that's my argument like and this is good I think now because I think with the Trevor Bauer situation right that's going on horrific stuff that happened with that but the timeline is very recent. I think that all that stuff happened within a few months of someone coming forward. Um, so unfortunately, it's something like somebody's got to, the domino has to fall for other people to come forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so now future events will be handled with more urgency. Um, and hopefully justice will be served better. Um, so I, 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 that's a lot of information. I tried to be as, mm-hmm. I think you did good. I think you were succinct and understandable. Okay. Um, I also wonder if a lot of it has to do with the time period that it happens in. Absolutely. Um, 
because we all know that the 80s and 90s uh, were not a great time for this sort of thing. Um, You were immediately, you know, either labeled as gay or not believed or whatever. And so that makes it very hard for a young man um, to come forward, uh, especially if he thinks he's doing it alone. Um, Whereas nowadays it's still super hard um but after the the me too movement and um i think it it becomes a it it's i think it's still super hard and locker room talk and locker room culture is still very toxic and um gross for lack of a better term um that maybe it's a little easier now I, I don't think it is easy, just base yeah. easy by any stretch of the word. Um, but just knowing that maybe you'll believed be believed a little bit better, if not by the person you're coming to, maybe by somebody on the internet, maybe by a reporter that you go to. Yeah. Um, so it's it's good that the Trevor Bauer stuff is coming into a more recent timeline. Um yeah, it's just yeah. Go ahead. To to your point, you're saying back in like the 70s and 80s, like this wasn't something that was like talked about very taboo. Mm-hmm. That article with Chuck Christian essentially says that like he he went through this and didn't have an avenue to talk about it because it was such like it, it wasn't like a you can't talk about this sort of thing. It's like oh, like it's not talked about. So you know the difference there? Like, it's like there's no, like, something's being avoided talking about, and then the something's like, oh, we haven't more, had to talk about it. Yeah, it's of more of a, oh, I'm the only person, or I'm the first person. That's probably the mentality he had, or yeah. whatever, of I'm the first person, I'm the I'm the first guy, I'm the only guy that this has ever happened to. Yeah. Um, whereas nowadays, we obviously have a lot more examples of it being both, uh, a, a men's issue and a women's issue like it's not just mm-hmm. one or the other um and i think that's something we don't talk about enough yeah uh, yeah so i guess i can go into the chicago case a little bit um chris did you have anything that you wanted to throw in there uh, for the moment i i wish it was normalized more back then and even do i do now that it's more openly discussed yep and i'm glad we're moving in that direction but i don't think we're anywhere close as to where we should be is what i, I would think. agree i would agree um so in june uh wow this was only a month ago not even um a story broke uh first the first place i heard of it that it got big was on the athletic um mark lazarus katie stang and scott powers broke an article together um talking about how the 2010 blackhawks um championship team had uh uh had two accusations of sexual assault um brad aldrich was a video coach at the time uh, he was accused by two players saying that he had uh, done some pretty atrocious things. Uh, again, I won't go into details. So you can read the article. Um, 
and that they went to Paul Vincent to talk about it, who was the skills coach at the time. Uh, he took it to, oh, let's see, where was the people? There's a chain of, of things here. Okay, so Vincent brought it to President John McDonough, uh, General Manager Stan Bowman, Vice President of Hockey Operations Al McIsaac, and Mental Skills Coach James Gary. Um, he had told them that they needed to take this to Chicago PD, and they did not. Um, after that season, um, Eldritch was... I don't want to use the word fired because that makes it sound like they actively wanted him to leave. It was more like, yeah, I'm going to let you like they were disgusted with him. They weren't. They were just like, you can't be on this team anymore because you're bad PR um, was was uh, how he was let go. Uh, he was then hired by a boys high school team in Houghton, Michigan, um, which if you're not familiar, if. You go as far north as you possibly can in Michigan, uh, you're in Houghton. Um, and after his stint there, he pled guilty to charges of criminal criminal sexual assault uh, with a teenager. He was sentences, sentenced to only nine months, just nine months, Gross. in jail. Um, and so when this all of this news broke at the same time that two lawsuits were filed by the two Chicago players who made the original accusations in 2010, and then another lawsuit was filed by um, Aldrich's victim in Houghton, uh, saying that the Blackhawks gave Aldrich positive references when he was hired in, and they failed to report the alleg- allegations of abuse in 2010. Um, so basically saying that sh- the Chicago did not do its due diligence in reporting that, hey, this guy has um, these accusations against him. If you're going to hire him to be working with high schoolers, maybe don't. Um, he then left. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. This is before. So he also left a position at Mi- Miami, Ohio University in 2012. Um after about four months, and there's a investigation going on there. They think there may be a case um, to be made for another, another accusation, another sexual assault case. Um, but all that to say, this is a, an ongoing case. It's still being investigated, still being looked at. Um, those two lawsuits, there was a filing. Um, the Chicago Blackhawks are moving to remove the Houghton case. Um, because they are saying that it was not their duty to report those things. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Ugh. So they're like, it's then it's not our it? fault. It's, uh, you can't, you know, uh, you can't accuse us for that. Uh, let me see if I can find the exact quotes here. Yeah, new motion obtained by the Sun-Times also claims Hawks management had no statutory duty to report Aldridge's ac- a- alleged assault of uh, John Doe number 1 to the police. The main portion of the motion presents the Hawks' argument that the unnamed high schooler had no basis to sue the Hawks for the criminal act committed by Aldridge years after he was employed by the Hawks. Um, high schooler who was 16 at the time, uh, who is now an adult, but was 16 at the time, uh, is now identified as John Doe 2 in the court documents. So we got, I got Joe number, 
John Doe number one, who is a Hawks, the Hawks um, player, and then John Doe number two is the uh, Houghton high school player. Um, the Hawks argue that under Illinois law, they have no duty to protect an individual from the criminal acts of a third party, given that they neither knew Doe II or employed Aldrich at the time. They argue that the claim in the original lawsuit that they provided uh, positive re references to future employers of Aldrich is vaguely factual, vaguely and factually unsupported. They also argue the lawsuit's lack of allegation claim claiming they provided positive references specifically to Houghton High School is a fatal omission, rendering irrelevant any arguments about whether they provided positive references to other employees. Um, and then the rest of this article by the Chicago Sun-Times is just uh, more details about what I've already previously talked about. So this whole situation is not, it, let me back up. I think my problem with this, other than the very blatant obvious, is that we have had no statements of remorse or of uh, condemnation or any sort of, um, like pushback from either uh, Commissioner Bettman, the, and the, I guess the Hawks can't do that because they're saying we don't actively have a responsibility to this, but like people in higher ups NHL have not done anything to say this is a problem and this is a thing that is not okay. Not even to say we think Brad Aldrich did it. Like, I don't, that would be ideal um, because I think there isn't a lot of, uh, conf there is no conflicting evidence for this. So I think that it's, it's a pretty safe bet that he did do these two things. Yeah. But even to say like the, the rampantness of sexual assault in pro sports in sports in general is something that we stand against and we are going to do these steps to start working towards that change policy within organizations to have, if somebody comes to a, you know, a, another coach or to a manager or to somebody in the NHL front office, what are the steps from there? You can't keep that. That is not a thing that you can keep in house um, in any regard. Like, I don't care if it's true or not. If it's an accusation, it's an accusation of a felony crime that needs to go to the police. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that that is, ju it's just, it's disgusting that that is, the players at the time did the thing that they were supposed to, like Corey was talking about. We were, they did it in a timely manner. They went to somebody that they trusted and that guy actually did what they asked him to do. He went to a higher up and then they did nothing with it. Like Gary Bettman knew his, his, his number two knew this and there's no way that he didn't like it. And I just, I just don't understand how, you could know that about somebody or know that that is um, something that's a possibility and just let the guy stick around yeah. or go to another organization of younger kids. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's gross. And, and I think that this is just an example of how, like Chris was talking about, we're nowhere near, we're nowhere near where we need to be. Um, because even if players do feel safe to go to somebody um, or to say something, they're, they might think, 
where's it going to go? It's not going to do anything if I tell this if I tell this person that I trust because once they do something or they say something, it's not nobody's going to do anything about it. Nobody's going to get justice for me. It's I'm going to have to sit in this and I'm going to stick with it and that's horrific. Yeah. I I I'm I want to I want to get the details straight. So they went to they so they went, went to, uh, the NHL offices. They went yep. to they went to Batman with this um, so, back in because this this story broke or the story broke recently, this, but it was yep. about their cup run, correct? It was about the cup run. Yep, it was like right after the cup run that they went to. Let me let me just read this one more time. Um, unidentified. This is from USA Today. Uh, unidentified former Chicago Blackhawks player says in a lawsuit against the team that a then assistant coach sexually assaulted him in the 2010 in 2010 during a playoff run to a Stanley Cup title and that the team did nothing after he informed a now retired employee. Okay. Um, okay. So. So he went to Paul Vincent, who was a skills coach at the time. Paul Vincent then went to team executives, including President John McDonough and General Manager Sten Bowman, to report the allegations. Um, I thought it also said that he went to an NHL executive. Let me go look at the athletic article. Hold on. Um, Oh, okay. I read, I, I'm sorry. I didn't get to the NHL top, but, uh, I read vice president of hockey operations incorrectly. Um, so it went to John McDonough, who is the team president, general manager, Stan Bowman, vice president of hockey operations, Al McIsaac and mental skills coach, James Gary. So okay. he went to four big people in the executive sure. office. Yeah. And then they did, they, they, they reported. Yeah. That's bad. <laughs> they did I nothing. Mean, I, I don't. I, I, what I don't really understand is like. Like keeping it under wraps is only going to hurt you in the end. Right. And essentially, with something as serious as this. And then, like, I, I get that it was during a, a cup run, but, like, still, like, there's more things important than winning a Stanley Cup. regardless of how we feel and a player comes to you already this is a this is not a this is a grown man Mm -hmm. coming to you saying something like this happened like this is already and it's awkward for anybody but the fact that the fact of the matter is a grown man comes up and, and is worried and concerned about this how much more concerned do you think it should be about kids yep like if this guy took advantage of a of a hockey player, who who is he not going to take advantage of afterwards? So like, maybe it gets lost in the shuffle there, but like you have to mention that to somebody, like or even like even when the guy leaves, because I'm sure he leaves the Blackhawks organization and applies for things. It's like, oh, why did you leave the Blackhawks? Say, oh, I was like, oh, blah, 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 blah. It's the, p- companies con- 
consistently talk with other companies about employees or prospective employees. Yep. And the fact of the matter is the, the most heartbreaking thing is that they didn't say anything and now the guy's working with kids. And then assaulted a kid. And then assaulted a kid. So, I mean, okay, so like maybe. Situ- like worst case situation happened. Maybe it's not your duty because he's no longer an employee, but we have duties as human beings, okay? You see something, like you're you're walking in a supermarket and you see somebody picking on an old lady. Uh, this is a very dumbed-down example. I'm, I'm not trying to neglect the seriousness of it. You're not going to stand by there and not do anything about it. You're at least going to attempt to try to stop whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. This is worse far worse because you know the potential of what's going to happen and the the story is already going to not pull off in your favor the second that you tried to cover it up yeah it's not going to hide in your favor so you got your momentary glory of winning the stanley cup but as soon as that news comes out you're going to look real bad anyway but you know when you're not going to look real bad is when you deal with it as soon as it happens and i don't understand why none of these teams even u of m didn't figure that out or michigan state or team usa like with the larry nasser thing it went on for decades yeah decades that this man was long story short if you haven't heard the larry nasser case i don't know where you've been but under rock yeah he was a team doctor for both team usa and uh michigan state university uh he had been assaulting young girls since about 2000 um so then the case broke in 2017. So yeah, nearly two decades he had been doing this. Um, he was convicted of, I think it was 20, 20, uh, 20 instances of felony assault. Um, but more than 50 women came forward and gave their statements. Um, three or four of which were Olympic athletes. Uh, and like, every, a lot of if so there's a documentary called athlete a on netflix if you want more information on this heartbreaking documentary really heavy subject but super informative breaks it down really well um really dives into the power dynamic between somebody who is um a victim of sexual assault and the person who assaults them and how there always is a power dynamic imbalance and because of that, the, that often brings the fear of coming forward. Um, and so with the Michigan State uh, Larry Nasser case, he was a part of a camp for, uh, for young gymnasts for years and years. And at the camp, the, the runners of it were, they called it an emotional, they didn't call it that, but players uh, formerly athletes later called it an emotionally abusive place and so they didn't feel safe in the environment that they were in and then putting nasser into that environment he was able to take it full advantage of that so that they felt like they couldn't say anything or they'd be sent home and not put on the team like Mm -hmm. it's disgusting and so to see this play out in an nhl team and it's you know roughly the same thing be as it might, we we might love our players. They don't have a lot of control over what happens to them uh, in in their profession, just in general. Like, they get traded, they... Um, 
they they are business commodities for lack of a better term um and so when a player is going through something like this especially right after a cup run when uh you know emotions are really high and uh you don't want to maybe you don't you as the victim don't want to ruin the the vibe or the high of this run or mess things up because you really want to win the Stanley Cup like you i'm sure that that was still a dream for these two players is like i still want this cup i still want to compete and i still want to compete well but this also happened to me and it's awful and so to to be dealing with that and then when you tell somebody you trust and then it goes nowhere it's it's the power dynamic of oh you don't actually have any power over what happens to you because even if you say something it's not going to go anywhere it's not going to change anything we hold the power here. We're going to keep this under wraps. And sorry, if you say anything, I don't know if this actually happened. This is me speculating, so don't take this as truth. Sure. But if you say anything, you'll get traded. And you won't get the Stanley Cup. You won't, you know, like, I'm sure all of those things were happening internally to them. And maybe even a little bit externally. We don't know. We don't have all the details to the case. It's, yeah, it's just a mess. It's always a mess. It's It's never clear cut and dry it's it always explodes and it never helps that when you keep it under wrap it just builds and builds pressure yeah mm-hmm. and again i think the, the urgency piece there too right so we had a story from michigan that was started in the 70s mm-hmm. we had a story from the blackhawks that started in the 2010s um and then we had a story from trevor bauer in this situation that happened two months ago so if there's anything that can be said we're getting closer to being more comfortable stepping forward the closer it happens to the vent and we have a long way to go um but it seems like as we see that you know things are going to push for the better or or get resolved quicker or or maybe even a better sense of justice the more these things come out then maybe we can get to the point where as soon as something happens, as soon as we see something, we say something. Or as soon as the thing, it becomes almost a second nature is stopping the grandma from getting picked on in the supermarket. You know, yeah. this is like, a, well, we have we have a process. We have something that we can do to, yeah. to, to enact this right now um, and, um, and prevent further just tragedy, unfortunately. Because... Yeah. I think from the Chicago thing, maybe not so much from the the Michigan thing, um, Blackhawks didn't do much with it, and then it went to a different organization. It was like a it was a leech, you know, yep. sucked all of it, all of it out there, and then went to someplace else and sucked more out of it, you know. So, yeah, mm. it's, it, it's just it, it's hard. And again, what I think what you said about you know getting left behind, like this is a cup run. This is. Look at all the things that are happening. If you say something now, you're not going to get to be a part of the good things that are happening. Well, we'll trade you mm-hmm. to keep quiet, you know. Yeah, um, don't ruin this for us. Right. But I think we're getting closer. And it sucks that it has to be through this way. And we all don't want it to be that way. If we can take any I don't want to say take a bright side because you can't. This is an awful thing. But Mm -hmm. if there's anything we can learn 
or anything that is setting up for the future. It's just that, you know, the, the dealing with this urgently um, and, and now having people come forward and saying things and being brave and being courageous, that's going to help other people be like, I'm going to, I'm going to act on this right now. Mm-hmm. So no. Yeah. And I think a lot of it needs to start not at the NHL level. Um, yeah. I think I, all three of us grew up in locker rooms. Uh, mm-hmm. We all know, I mean, I'm obviously I'm a woman, so I have, a, I deal with it a little bit differently and I know what women's locker rooms are like. So I can't speak to a men's locker room, but the rumors and the stories that you hear, um, you know, even in high school, even in middle school, the stories that float around and the the jokes that get thrown around and um, the, the, the toxic masculinity that prevails within sports culture is, is something that needs to be addressed. Um, and I, when I say toxic masculinity, I, I carefully throw that out there. Um, I wouldn't even call it masculinity to be honest with you, but I know what you're saying. That's fair. But what I mean by that is, is a guy or a, a, a person who, I don't even know how to describe. How would you, Chris? How do you describe this? Perfect. <laughs> Help me. This is actually what I wanted to talk about. So this is this is like, so for there are different cases. For instance, when it comes to the issue of sexual assault, like for instance, we have like the absolute creeps like Larry Nasser, who just we I could not even go from a psychological standpoint. I don't even know how you could get to a point where you can do that to just anybody. Like it doesn't yeah. even matter. I don't know how kids, men, women, it does not matter. And I don't I I I can't even begin to break down as to how that happens. It is disgusting and I I I can't understand why. There isn't there is instances though and we're seeing it now. We see it a lot in the NFL. We see it a lot in the NHL players. We see it well, not as much in the NHL, but it is still there where the culture and I don't know why this is, and I don't know why. I I believe it's because we strayed so far away from God that men now, and especially in the music, if you listen to a song, it all is very negative sexually. To even even when it comes to women who are who are music artists, it is so degrading to women, mm-hmm. to men. To, it, the songs that are on the radio are about notoriety, money, fame, kingpin mentality of of just nothing good. And that's what's glorified nowadays is is having that type of power that for some reason men crave. And it leads men to have this mentality that oh, I need this type of girl this is okay for me to do. Don't you know who I am? I'm this type of individual. And that comes inside. And a lot of it has to do with testosterone when it comes to guys, because that, that fuels aggression and it fuels sexual behavior. And when you mix those two together, it usually doesn't have a a bright thing to it. So that's why I think it's more fluid with men when it comes to stuff like this. But I don't, 
under, well, I don't understand why we've strayed so far away from God, traditional values. Everyone knows what's right or wrong. If you if you asked anybody on the street and you read the lyrics of any song, you'd be like, "Hey, is this a life that you want to live? Is this some? Is this so? Is this how way you want to be?" You would say no. But that's what happens. That's where you see. Like, look at the allegations that are going against Deshaun Watson. Like, I was I was reading through these cases that these women are coming out. It's just it's just disgusting. It's 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 gross, and it it's it's fueled by this mentality that uh, of greed of power of of just desires that are, are not anything that any person should want and let alone men and these are the people that kids look up to and this is what's now building and we're going in the opposite direction because you you, you watch these young guys growing up and i i mean i've watched i mean when i was young i could tell you all my favorite players who were there and i, I know i could count probably on my hand about a ton of them who've already had allegations of where this has happened and I, I want more and more, I wish we'd praise. And I, I say guys, cause I don't like to use, like throw around the word men just because I think that's an earned title. And we need to glorify what is right, what is pure, what is just. And we need to glorify the outcomes of the Blackhawks where if, it, if you're not making a good decision, we're not, this is not should be anything that people should go with. Like we should absolutely rebuke it and cut away from it. But we should glorify the people who are coming out. We should glorify yeah. the people who are making the right decisions when they're supposed to make their decisions immediately. And there are cases and there are horrible people out there who will lie about this stuff, but everything needs to be treated accordingly. And there needs to, we, what I think one of the big issues is we need, there's no way of right now that we have of like a flow chart, a way of how this works or how this, how this process is going to go through of like, Hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to collect all the evidence. We're going to get everybody together. This is when we're going to do that. Like, there's just none of that. We it, it, it's it's with the wind. I mean, Deshaun Watson gets to play a whole season before this comes out again. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. But I think people need to get down to it. I think people need to go and get on course. We need to find a way of how we're supposed to deal with this, and we need to cut out the crap that is happening with the young guys in this world because it's it's only going to get worse. And same for the women too. Like I'm not just gonna say this for the men. For for those instances where it's it's fueled by like a cultural thing, ladies, please, for the love of God, respect yourselves, respect others. Don't look to these men. Don't look to these these guys who are fueled by greed, fueled by power, fueled by lust. You see it on your college campuses. You see it in the fraternity houses. You see it on the sports fields. You see it on the locker rooms. We need to cut away from all of this and we need to start turning to God is what I will say. So, but I want this to be an open discussion specifically when it comes to this. I think, oh, yeah. Uh, I had a thought. Hold on. Let me collect it again. I think that a good practical next step for bigger leagues Mm -hmm. Um, when it comes to this sort of thing is to have third party nonprofits, um, yeah. third party people come in and assess stem to stern, top to bottom, the entire organization give an analysis of what their, um, their male to female ratio is because a lot of the times in male dominated 
industries, this happens a whole lot more. Um, Analyze that, analyze uh, what the process, the process for after an allegation is brought forward, what that looks like internally. And if it doesn't have a trustworthy outlet or a, a trustworthy avenue to a police unit <laughs> of some yeah. sort. Like yeah. that was the problem with the Chicago one is that it, it went up and then it stopped and it needs to have more places to go and to create a, uh, like Chris was saying, a flow chart from uh, the, all right, if you have an issue, this is where you go. Or if, um, because clearly going to your coaches or going to HR or whatever is not working. Um, yeah. create an outside place that is a safe, like partner with nonprofits that specialize in this. There's a ton mm-hmm. of them yeah. and in all the major cities in America, like we, there will be one in every pro sports area. I promise. Um, partner with those people and, and make it known to anybody in the organization that if you have an issue, you go to these people you, mm-hmm. because then that takes the responsibility on that nonprofit whose job it already is to deal with these sorts of things. And it obviously doesn't take away responsibility from the organization for um, allowing things to happen, but hopefully that can like, can stem it, can, can cut it off at a certain point. Mm -hmm. Um, And ideally the goal is to stop it before it happens, but we know that that's not going to be reality for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that I think that's like my takeaway. I don't know. I, th- that's my thought processes when when going into this is just how do we create avenues for 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 truth to exit the situation. You know. Yep. Mm-hmm. I also believe that if as soon as you start cracking down on it that there's going to be a lot less of it as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I think to Noel's point too, that, I mean, having that system in place it, it is what's going to be the thing that's going to crack down mm-hmm. on it. Like, um, it, I, I, I completely blanked on it. Um, however, no, I just, it, it, to further Noel's point, it has to be something that's outside of the organization too, because any anything that's within, you can construe it and put it to your own way, if, especially if it makes you look better as an organization. Um, so every um, every team needs to have some sort of third party, and I don't even want to say like like a league like sponsored like third party too. It, it really needs to be like every team has completely a removed. Yeah. yeah, every team has a completely different or removed from that team or the NFL organization. I mean, obviously, it has to. You have to live up to the the guidelines of the league that you're associated with, but um, um, it needs to be something where it can't be monopolized and then you know construed to make the teams look better than they actually are. Uh, Chris, to to what you said. Um, um, you know, I, I do, I, I kind of do feel that on a spiritual level as far as like, not the whole, we need men to be men sort of thing again, but like the, the, the standard of just being a, a, a decent mm-hmm. person 
And uh, yeah. you talked a little bit about power. People in power are going to find ways to remain powerful and exert their power over other people. Um, mm-hmm. That's what happened with Anderson, Nasser, uh, the Blackhawks case, you name it. These people saw that, hey, I've got power over this person. There's no avenue for them to say or respond to me in a way. So I'm just going to do whatever makes me feel great. Um, mm-hmm. And I, 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 I do find a little bit of truth to constantly be like harangued and given this narrative of striving for power, money, sex, all that stuff. Um, I think it it does add to the psyche of of individuals who seek that, and maybe even to the people who don't have power. It's like, well, if I mm-hmm. don't have these things, then I'm not going to have this power. And it's sad because um, you know it, it it never should ever be about taking advantage of people. At least power should should not. Because I mean, what the 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 famous saying is: "With great power comes great responsibility." I think the people who are gaining that power are saying, "Oh, because I have this power, I have no responsibility." Um, so we need to. Yeah. push those things back together and uh, obviously I'm a, I'm a youth pastor as as my as my main gig um, and would would agree with that you know we've strayed far away from the path of of, of what God has designed um, and that's that's a result of a broken world in a, in a world of sin um, so you're not gonna eliminate evil but we got to strive to get as far away from it as possible and you know changing the narrative a little bit and showing that, um, maybe not even responsibility, but people in power are going to be held accountable from here on out. Mm-hmm. Starts with a process. Starts with mm-hmm. changing the dynamic or changing what you know. I don't. I don't want to say control what people hear, but like not making those lifestyles as glamorous. I should yeah. say maybe is the word. Um, but uh, as the practical reasons and to keep it on topic today accountability responsibility and show that people in power can very easily lose it if they're not using it for the right things yeah i will also add that continuing to have conversations like this is also a good thing 100 um it because i know that for the those in my personal realm um who have dealt with situations like this shame is a huge contributing factor Mm-hmm. in how they either either they don't come forward or how they present themselves when they do um and and not to, do I want to open this can of worms um i also think that it's something that the church needs to talk about better sure. and talk about more um because the 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 shame attached in the evangelical church when it comes to sexual assault uh, often seems more against the the victims than it does the perpetrators. Um, and I think continuing to have honest conversations like this and really just discussing how it's not okay for these uh, these people to do these things to other human beings, to other image bearers, is is something that is going to help that narrative um, and is going to hopefully continue to open more doors for more conversation um, in places that aren't public, like a podcast in, you know, in your, in your homes with your teenagers 
um, in your college dorms, in, you know, family gatherings and uh, friend groups, like just talking about these things. Um, because sometimes it's hard to have a heavy conversation, but it's needed. Um, and I, I, I just think that it's something that really needs to be just talked about more in an honest and frank manner with mm -hmm. no shame attached to being the victim of it. Um, so that's my two cents. <laughs> I think this is a good time to say that um, officially from the CNC replay that if anybody listening is something has happened to them and they are struggling, we would urge you to please get help mm -hmm. and we pray that there will be good support for you in your endeavors and we are praying for you. We're praying for your future. We're praying for your mental health and we wish you well. I would even go a step further um, to um, maybe you could even, if you want someone just to talk to reach out yes. to one of us. Mm -hmm. um, Noel has, you know, has had friends who've gone through this stuff like this. I'm sure Chris has. And then I've had, I have my own personal experience. Um, we're, we will be people that will listen uh, before we speak um, and maybe meet even people that won't speak at all. And if you just need uh, a wall to yell at that mm -hmm. has a little bit more blood flowing through it and <laughs> isn't a wall, um, we can be that for that too. Um, Cause this is part of the, I mean, we've delayed this conversation for some time. Part of the reason, cause life's gotten in the way, but other parts, because we want to have this conversation right um, yeah. and uh, we want to be supportive in that and um, we want to help in any way we can if that means we're us for talking for an hour about it to set the stage for a conversation to grow after that so be it um, but if that mm -hmm. means sitting down and talking with one of you about it too more than happy to so absolutely yeah and if anybody needs it the national sexual assault hotline is 1-800-656-4673. Um, we'll also put that in our uh, pod episode description. So if you need that and you don't feel comfortable either coming to one of us or to somebody that is close to you, that's also there, trained professionals to talk to you and, and, and lend you support and give you resources. Absolutely. <sighs> If you got to the end, guys, thank you so, so much. Um, we greatly appreciate you every week for listening to us. And uh, let us know what you thought today. Uh, any questions or concerns or anything else you want to dive deeper on, again, we're always here for you guys. And as always, we will see you next week. And thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Sayonara. Hey, everybody. This is Noelle. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the CNC Replay. Please subscribe and rate us five stars as it really helps us out. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at CNC Sports Pod. We'll see you next week.